Revelation chapter 3, verse number 7. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth, and no man shutteth, and shutteth, and no man openeth. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. Two things in particular I want you to notice in this passage of Scripture. Verse number 7, the key of David. And in verse number 8, the open door, and no man can shut it. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter number 16, verse number 9, Apostle Paul is writing, this is while he was at Ephesus in the establishing of that great apostolic work. And he said, but a great door and a sexual is open unto me. And there are many adversaries. I want to preach to you this morning for a while on this subject, open doors and adversaries. Let's pray together right now. Lord Jesus, oh precious God. Open our hearts to receive your word. Minister to the needs of this people. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Praise your name, God. Let's lift our hands and worship the Lord. I love you, Jesus. I thank you for your presence and your anointing, God. Praise God. Amen, amen. God bless you as you're seated. This morning, I want to address a subject and talk about a side of revival that no one wants to talk about. I want to talk to us about some things that are just as practical as they can be. I feel like it fits right in with what I've heard thus far. Amen. Those things that have face us, the things that we have to deal with, if we're not prepared and we don't know to expect it, it could be the very thing that totally uh, discourages us, hinders us, and stops us from receiving the things that God has promised to us. I realize that I'm preaching to people today that are men and women of faith, visionary people, people that have desires in their hearts. Godly desires, sanctified desires, God-given desires, men that are dreamers, men that dare to believe that God can do some great and extraordinary things in the day and hour that we're living in, men that are risk-takers, men that just believe if God said it, he will do it, amen, men that have a mission and a sense of purpose and a sense of destiny. Amen. I believe I'm preaching to men that have proven by their past record 
that uh, they're in this thing for the long haul and that uh, they are not just trying to have a comfortable living. They're not trying to just get along, but they really want to make a mark for God. Amen. Men that are interested in, in carving out in difficult areas, uh, bastions and strongholds of truth. Amen. That is who I believe that I'm associated with and preaching to today. And every one of us knows what it is to receive promises from God. Amen. I'm not just talking about generic promises. I believe every promise in the book is mine. But we know what it is to have the Spirit of God quicken to our hearts specific promises. We know what it is to have God talk to us directly. Amen. Sometimes it's by impressions. Sometimes it's by dreams, maybe visions. Sometimes it's the word of the Lord that is quickened to a heart that somebody is preaching the word of God. But we know what it is, amen, to receive a promise from the Lord. Amen. And, and to hold on to that promise and to uh, uh, grasp it tightly within our heart and not turn loose of it. I don't know how you feel today, but I believe that every promise that God makes to us is a door of opportunity. Amen. I believe it is an open door. If God tells you he's going to do something, then he has pointed you to an open door. Amen. If God ever makes you a promise, my friend, you can count upon it. Praise God. I believe that when God promised Canaan to Israel, it was an open door. Somebody say hallelujah. Amen. But you see what we fail to realize sometimes that between us and open doors are many adversaries. Amen. As Brother Keller was preaching a while ago, God always makes sure that he separates the men from the boys. Amen. Those that are committed and dedicated from those that are merely wannabes. Amen. They simply want to enjoy the fruit of the land, but they're not willing, amen, to fight through the opposition. You see, Canaan was theirs for the taking. Amen. They had to take it. They had to overcome fierce giants and pull down wall and fortified cities. But I believe the greatest adversary that they had to overcome was not the giants of the walled cities, but it was between their ears and behind their eyes. Amen. It was in their own mind and in their own thinking and in their own imagination that the greatest battle had to be fought. Amen. The greatest enemy that opposed them as they set out to possess the land that flows with milk and honey were the giants of fear and unbelief. Amen. Things have not changed. We're still confronted on a daily basis with these same true hearing giants. Amen. Staring us in the face. Amen. Our biggest battle today is not liberalism. Our biggest battle today is not the charismatic movement. Amen. I believe the biggest battle for the apostolic church today is just simply believe that God will do what he said he would do. Amen. None of these things can stop us. Amen. The only thing that can stop us is our own selves. Somebody say hallelujah. Amen. You see, God sets before the truth hurts an open door. Amen. I don't have time to go into all the various aspects of this message. You just have to kind of fill in the paint. But I want you to notice the church of Philadelphia was a blessed church. 
It was a church that had stood for righteousness and godliness and holiness. It was a church that had made it. Amen. At the same time that Ephesus had lost their first love, Philadelphia had maintained that love and, and, and that, that zeal for the work of God and the things of God. And God said to the church of Philadelphia, because you've been true, because you've been faithful, amen, I'm going to tell you, if you want God to open some doors for you, you're going to have to contend for some things. You're going to have to love what God loves and hate what God hates. Amen. There's many an exit road on the road to apostolic revival. There's many places that are convenient turnarounds. Amen. If you don't really, amen, want to take the pressure, there's places for you to get off. Amen. But you're going to have to persevere and you're going to have to fight through some things to receive the things that God has promised for you. Amen. So the church of Philadelphia was a church, amen, that received the greatest promise of all of the seven churches of Asia Minor. And that is the, the one that was speaking to them, prefaced his remarks, amen, by enumerating some of his qualifications. Amen. He said, I want you to know the one that is speaking to you, the one that is pronouncing a blessing upon you, amen, is he that hath the key of David. The key of David. Amen. That's important. Amen. About the key of David. And he said, I'm the one that opens the doors. Amen. This is the man with the key. This is the man, amen, that opens doors. And he said, when I open the door, no man can shut it. And he said, when I shut a door, no man can open it. Now, there's some doors today that we need God to open for us. There's some doors today that we need God to close for us. Praise God. Amen. The hardest thing you're ever going to try to do is open a door that God has shut. Amen. It's something you'll never accomplish. And nobody else, you need to settle this in your mind today. I don't care what your opposition is. I don't care who's against you. If God be for you, who can be against you? Amen. Nobody can shut the door to what God has promised you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. If God's made your promise, it's yea and amen. It's not maybe and hope so, but it's yay and amen. Hallelujah. I don't care who's against you. I don't care if a church is against you. I don't care if a preacher across town is against you. Amen. I don't care if a movement's against you. If God be for you, who can stand against you? When God opens the door, no man can shut it. Hallelujah. Amen. It may be the main family in your church. Amen. But if God opened the door, amen, no man can shut it. Settle that in your mind. God's the one that's in charge of opening and shutting doors. He didn't delegate that responsibility. Amen. I said he didn't delegate that responsibility. You appeal to doors that open is to God and God alone. He can open doors, amen, that looks like it's impossible to open. And he can close the doors that need to be closed. Let's give the Lord a hand clap for praise. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise God. Please be seated. The only thing that's standing between you and walking through the door that God has opened to you are adversaries. 
God does not allow Satan to close doors. That ought to be comforting. Amen. Sometimes we give the devil more credit than he deserves. He's powerful, but he's not all powerful. Amen. He's not omnipotent. He knows a lot of things, but he's not omniscient. Amen. Seems like he pops up here and pops up there and pops up somewhere else. Amen. But he can't be everywhere present at the same time. Are you listening to me? Amen. He has certain limitations on what he can do and what he can't do. And aren't you glad to know today that God has not given to the devil, amen, the power to open doors and close doors. The only power he has is to be an adversary. Amen. God allows him, amen, to uh, oppose us and, and to stand against us. And, and it's his nature to do that. Amen. Because he's anti-Christ. Whatever God is for, the devil's against. Whatever God proposes, the devil's in opposition. Whatever God is working, the devil is working. If I were the devil today, I'd put my forces, amen, where I felt like the greatest threat to my kingdom was. And the closer you get to what God has for you, the greater the opposition. Don't be discouraged in well-doing. Amen. Don't be discouraged because of opposition. Amen. The greater the opposition, the closer you are to walking through the door that God has opened to you. You're not going to get through it without a struggle. You're not going to get through it without a fight. But I'm here to tell you today that the sweet taste of victory is worth the hours of struggle. It's worth every fight. It's worth every trial and every test. It's worth standing in the heat of the day and the cold of the winter. It's worth contributing for to get through that door that God has opened for you. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. The only adversary that can stop us, amen, the only thing that can slow us down are the enemies of fear and intimidation. That's all the devil can do. Amen. I said, that's all he can do. He can get in your face. He can taunt you. Amen. He can discourage you. He can lie to you. Amen. But he can't get a hold of you and stop you. Praise God. I believe that with everything within me. If I didn't believe that today, I'd close my Bible. If I didn't believe that today, I'd quit preaching the gospel. Amen. The devil's tried every way he can to close doors in my ministry and in my life and in the church that I pastor. And if I didn't believe, amen, that he, that God alone has the ability to open doors, amen, I'd leave. Hallelujah. I know I wouldn't have a chance. Amen. But I believe that God, that fiction, amen, is able is able, is able to open whatever door needs to be opened. There's no such thing as a burn over field with God. If God sits you there, if it's burn over, he'll raise up a, a new plot. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter if you're living in a liberal area. It doesn't matter if no one else stands for this apostolic truth. If God opens you a door, you walk on through it. Amen. He's able to establish a strong work. Amen. Right there in the midst of the most liberal place you can find. Well, if I could pastor close to this brother, if I could pastor in this area, if I could hold a revival here, amen, I could see a great apostolic move of God just right out of 
out of your mind. I said, get that out of your mind. God's able to open a door. Amen. In the most unlikely places. Hallelujah. I feel some faith wanting to be stirred in our hearts here this morning. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Please be seated. You see, every great, in this word, when Paul said a great and effectual door is open for me, he was actually saying a large door is open for me. Every large door, every great door, every effectual door, amen, is beset by many adversaries. If you're not facing the opposition, not ought to check and see which direction you're headed. You're not having to struggle and fight against some things. You might ought to check out your message. Anywhere I preach the truth, I run into a few adversaries. Amen. I found out you can't really obey God and not upset somebody. And everybody's happy with what you're preaching, then maybe you need to look at what you're preaching. It might be a little bit too weak. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Maybe you're not confirming anything. Well, I'm starting to feel a little mean this morning. Amen. But brother, tell her you fired me up. Amen. I'm sick and tired of these folks that won't ever confirm anything. Amen. They can skirt every issue. Amen. They can shatter dance and dodge around anything and never say anything. Amen. They can holler about holiness and have you all excited about holiness and they don't even believe holiness. Amen. They haven't been within a hundred miles of holiness in the last ten years. Hallelujah, hallelujah. They talk about a move of God and they don't even know what a move of God is. They can just dance around anything. Hallelujah. We're living in a day and hour when somebody needs to stand up and proclaim the whole counsel of God. Amen. You can't just pussyfoot and have a move of God. Amen. You can't dodge the issue and establish an apostolic church. Amen. There's a time to stand up and confront some things. Amen. And stand flat-footed. If everything walks out the door, you walk to that pulpit with your mind made up. If it's just me and God, when this is over, we'll start all over. Amen. But I'm not going to compromise. I'm not backing up. Amen. I'm not going to take the edge off of what God said for me to say. And I know you don't have to be mean. I realize you don't have to be mean. You don't have to be a smart aleck. I'm not advocating that. But I'm telling you, there's entirely too much back and help because you know what God told you to say and you don't have the courage to say it. And don't call yourself an apostolic until you come to one of those times. Amen. When you did not know when you finished preaching the message God gave you to get to preach, whether you was going to have a church to pass or not when you got through. You haven't earned your stripes until you've taken an unpopular stand. You haven't earned your stripes until you see your finances walk out the door and you keep standing for what's right. You're not immune from that. God's not going to let you get by. Amen. You're going to pay a price at some time or another for a real apostolic move. Yes, you will. You're going to hurt your pocketbook. That gets most people's attention. 
Some folks is all for revival. Amen. They're all for holiness until it costs them something. Amen. When you see them walking out the door faster than they're walking in, it'll make you stop and think, do I really believe this or not? Hold it just a minute. Let's talk about this. Well, I'm meddling now, aren't I? Amen. Let's worship the Lord again. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. You see, the Lord had spoken to Paul and said that I have a great revival in this area. Paul went there obeying God. Paul went there expecting God to do some great things. You might say the rest is history. You know that when Paul, having passed through the uh, coast, uh, uh, came to Ephesus, and there he found certain disciples of John the Baptist. They were primed and ready, amen, for the truth. These were men that were devout. These were men that were living in repentance. These were men that were walking in all the light that they knew. They simply did not know that the promise had already been fulfilled and that Jesus had come and that uh, the Holy Ghost had been given. They didn't know that yet. All they needed was an opportunity. All they needed was some enlightenment. Amen. And, and, and they began to respond. And about 12 men, and I'm sure that probably included their families, amen, responded to that initial uh, evangelistic thrust in the city of Ephesus. And from there they begin to teach and speak the word of God boldly in the synagogue. Uh, the things concerning the kingdom of God. Many were hardened, uh, but many also believed. And it wasn't long until there came a separation and a division. And from there Paul went to the school of one Tyrannus and disputed and preached and taught daily uh, there at his place. And the Bible says this continued by the space of two years. So that all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. And then it begins to tell of the great revival and the great miracles. Special miracles wrought by God by the hand of Paul. Aprons and, and handkerchiefs were taken from his body and sent out and they laid it upon the sick and the afflicted and they were healed. They laid it upon those that were possessed with demons and demons cried out with a loud voice and left out of them. And it even uh, just uh, continued to build and build and build. There was a great stirring within that area. As Paul began to proclaim the one true God, the idolaters came and repented. And they began to bring their idols and they began to bring their books of witchcraft and black magic and the curious arts and, and they uh, built a big bonfire and began to burn and when they added it up what it was worth before they set a match to it it was 50,000 pieces of silver amen we're talking about it was worth in today's economy several million dollars amen of curious arts and, and devices of idolatry and witchcraft and satanism and they burn it there let me tell you something the devil didn't take that sitting down. We get excited about the revival in Ephesus. We can get excited, amen, about the results. And, and we can read right through that and we miss out on something. Because Paul said, look, I'm here at Ephesus. I'm preaching my heart out. I'm doing my best to establish an apostolic work. Hey, God has opened for me here a great and effectual door. But there are 
The greater the revival, the greater the fight. Hallelujah. I said the greater, amen, the door that God opens for you, amen, the more adversaries are going to come against you. And if you're not expecting that, it can be a big surprise. If you're not ready for that, it can be devastating. It can be overwhelming. It can certainly discourage you just a little bit. If you're not aware of the fact that the devil does not surrender his territory easily. Everybody say hallelujah. I want to leave that just for a moment. I want to go back and talk about this key of David for just a little bit. Now, I want us to think in a little different direction, perhaps, than a key that unlocks a lock. I want us to think about a key as being a principle or being a, an attitude, a mindset, a key being a, a certain type of action or a certain course that one follows that will, that will open uh, the door of opportunity that you seek to go through. Amen. The key of David, amen, is the spirit that David had, the attitude that David had, that which motivated him. If you remember, David always contended, amen, for the things uh, for the kingdom of God. Now, the Bible says, I'm going to throw you in something a little extra here, that the Bible says that Saul, amen, killed the Gibeonites because of his zeal for Israel. Amen. He was, he was, uh, uh, he was jealous about the things that pertain to the kingdom of Israel. But if you will follow David, you will discover, amen, that David was always zealous, amen, for God and for his integrity and his righteousness. Amen. He didn't say to Goliath, why don't you come out here and defy Israel and the kingdom of Israel? Amen. He said, you're, defi you're defying God. I'm fighting this one to God. I'm not fighting this for the king. I'm not fighting this for my brothers. I'm fighting this one for God. Now, you may not think that's important, but it's all important. Some people are wanting to build a church, amen, to establish and build their own kingdom. They want to promote their own name. They want to provide a cushy nest for them to live in. Amen. They want the recognition that goes with success. You better forget about recognition and fame and fortune and all these other trappings of success. What you better be concerned about, amen, is the kingdom of God. This thing is bigger than the, uh, the local church that I pastor. It's bigger, amen, than the city or town that you're in. This is the kingdom of God. This is the church. We need everybody fighting for the same thing on every front. Well, hallelujah, hallelujah. Some people can't understand that. Amen. Just because you're conservative doesn't mean that you're contending, amen, for God. Hallelujah. Amen. Just because you're saying the right things doesn't mean that you're motivated by the right spirit. Amen. You better love this truth. You better get it down in your heart. Amen. That better be the thing. Amen. That causes you to draw the sword. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's been many a man that was thought to be conservative. Amen. That followed along the lines of holiness and godliness until they got to a place of success. And then all of a sudden we found out what they really were and what they were after the whole time. 
Hallelujah. I'm talking about loving this truth. If you never enjoy success as man calls it success, do you still stand for what's right? Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. David stood when he stood by himself. David stood, amen, when he was running for his life. David stood when he was a hunted man with a mark on him. Hallelujah. And in spite of all of that, David encouraged himself in the Lord. For he said, I know. I know what God promised. I remember when that all run down over my head and down on my pocket. I remember what the man of God said. I know that God is going to establish me in his own time. I know I'm on the right track. I'm not going to take the easy road of compromise. I'm not going to take the shortcut. Amen of ease. Amen. I'm not going to follow the route of popularity. Amen. But I'm going to stay by my principles. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. You see, the day came when David's fortunes began to turn. All of Israel came to David at Hebron and began to acknowledge him as their king. For a while it was just him and a, and a small minority. But one by one, here they came, and the tide changed, and his fortunes began to change. He ruled in Hebron for seven and one half years, and the kingdom expanded greatly. God was giving them victories on every front. And then the day came when it was, uh, it was necessary that he choose a capital city. They, were, they, they needed a place to administer the kingdom from. They needed a place that people could look to. Amen. Uh, as a seat of authority. And so David began to look around and to seek out where he would establish his capital. And so the natural choice seemed to be a certain prominent mountain there in the midst of the land. It was the highest place in the whole nation. Amen. It, it was the natural choice. For from there, it was easy to get to from every part of the kingdom. And the place that he uh, chose uh, was Jebus or Mount Zion. Now, the thing about it was, at this particular time, amen, for years now, God had established the kingdom of Israel. Saul had had many great successful campaigns, and, and, uh, and of course, we know back in their history when they conquered the land. But a strange situation uh, was, uh, was uh, present there in the kingdom, and that is this, that this mountain, Mount Zion, where he wished to establish the capital, uh, uh, is where the Jebusites still dwelt. Amen. They had a fortification on top of that mountain. It was inaccessible. It was thought to be uh, impregnable. You could not scale or assault uh, the stronghold of the Jebusites because uh, it was so strategically located and so easily defended. But you see that something that got the burning down on the inside of David. David said that belongs to God. Amen. This is part of the original promise. Amen. This is part of Canaan land. It's not right for the Jebusites to be sitting in the highest place in the kingdom. It's time to get those dudes off the mountain and establish truth and righteousness in the strongholds of this, of this kingdom. Hallelujah. Are you with me? 
Amen. And so you see, David decided, I'm gonna, I'm gonna win back what really belongs to God. Now, now Joshua had conquered uh, the Jebusites. He had destroyed their king and, and ruled over them, but it was a, a loosely organized thing. After a while, while they were busy other places, they just kind of ignored uh, the Jebusites and, and they rebuilt and, and they refortified themselves and they strengthened themselves. And so they weren't bothering anybody and, and so they left them alone until they became a a mighty, strongly fortified people on top of this mountain. Amen. But David said, this is where I want to put my, uh, my, my capital. It was located on the frontier, the borders between Benjamin and Judah. And, and it was surrounded on three sides uh, by valleys. Amen. And so uh, David made up his mind. This is this is the logical place. On the north end of it, there was a stronghold of fort. And uh, and uh, not only that, but uh, in this particular city, uh, you you read about when they uh, assaulted uh, this mountain that there was a gutter. That gutter was a secret conduit that had been chiseled out through the rock from the top to the bottom. At the bottom, at the foot of that mountain, in a hidden place, was a spring. Amen. Uh, that, that run water, a bountiful supply of water. They could hold up in the city and descend down through the conduit and get all the water they needed. You could not, uh, you could not starve them out. Amen. They could draw water for their crops. They could draw water for their livestock. They could draw water for their own domestic and personal needs. There was no way that you could really starve them out. Amen. Uh, but this is the place that David said, I want to fill my capital. This is the same place where in ancient times when Abraham had came into Canaan land, this is where he had met Melchizedek, who was the priest king over Jebus or over Jerusalem or Salem. Amen. But it was a fortified city now of the Canaanites. I'm going to tell you, the hardest ground that you're ever going to win is to win back ground that one time, amen, God possessed it, the people of God possessed it, and somebody surrendered it. I'll never forget, about three years ago, a woman that her and her family had been in the church and in the truth, little by little, they had let up and let up and let up and let up. Now her family was scattered, her children, all of her daughters were out of the church. Her husband was lukewarm and cold, hardly ever went to church. She was about in the same condition that God had stirred her up and she was praying to him. But she sat there in my office and wept and cried. And, and said to my wife and I, she was telling me about how that they had allowed video and TV to come into the home and what a destructive thing it had been to her and her family. And she said, I want to tell you something, Brother Hyde. She said, the hardest ground that you'll ever win back is ground that you surrendered to the devil. She said, I'm fighting with her. She said, it was easy to get it out when we come into the church. But now that it's come back in, she said, I'm fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting. It's so hard to win back what you surrendered to the devil. And I'm going to tell you, when you surrender ground to the devil, amen, to ever get through the door that God's open for you, you're going to have to win that territory back. Amen. The safe thing, the easiest thing, is just to establish it in the beginning and occupy it. Just don't start giving in to it. Somebody say hallelujah. The Jebusites were very boastful people. They taunted David and his men by saying, the blind and the lame could defend against you. And the blind and the lame uh, said, we 
Paul that taunted David and said, you can't come up the wall. Amen. You can't get up there. You can't stay on the sides of this mountain. Amen. But David knew. Are you hearing me? David knew that God had given him the kingdom. David knew this belonged to God. And David said, there's a way to get up there. Amen. There's a way to overthrow the Jebusites. Amen. I don't care what the adversaries are. I don't care how much they taught me. I don't care what they had to say. I know that God is able to give me what he has promised I could have. Amen. And so David began to inquire and he found somebody said, listen, there's a secret passageway. There's a conduit that leads from the spring to the top of the mountain. And David said, that's my clue. And he got all Israel together. And he said, we're fixing to make an assault on this thing. We're fixing to tear down this stronghold. And whoever's the first up together, amen, is going to become the commander in chief of the general, amen, of the armies of the Lord. And you know how Joab, who was just a young man, scrambled up to that conduit, up the gutter, amen, and others behind him, and they threw open the gates of the city and allowed the armies to come in, and David took back that which belonged to God. My God, if you're looking at a mountain today that you can't see any way into it, I'm going to tell you something. The devil has never built a fortification that God can't penetrate it. Hallelujah. Amen. I said the devil isn't smart enough to build something that's God proof. Amen. I don't care who's talking you today and telling you, amen, that you can't have revival. There is a conduit. There is a gutter. Amen. There is a way to get inside the enemy's gates. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. In every temptation, amen, God's made a way of escape. The devil can't hit you in. I said the devil can't cut you off. Amen. When God opens the door, the devil can't close it. Hallelujah. I don't care what you're facing today. If you're willing to fight, God will show you how to overcome. Please be seated. I'm going to digress a little bit, but I just feel inspired to say what I'm thinking. If you want a real apostolic church, you're going to have to bring in apostolic preachers. This is how some little dandy comes dancing through the countryside. And everybody's singing their praises. So you've got to have them. They'll set you back five years. If they don't believe this message, my friend, you don't need their spirit mixed and mingled with the other spirits that you're fighting in your congregation. Amen. There's some things that just don't mix. Some folks, they don't have any direction. They don't even know what they're doing. They can't even use common sense to figure out what's going on. If you're fighting spirits of compromise and willingness and ungodliness and, and rebellion and all of that kind of business, why are you bringing men in that don't believe what you believe? I don't care if it's your brother-in-law. I don't care if you went to Bible school with them. I don't care if you grew up with them. If they don't believe this truth, how do they do it in your pulpit? They'll bring more spirits into your church than five apostolic preachers can chase out in ten years. Just about the time you start making a little progress, you change direction, you change horses. You allow 
the devil to come right on in and mix and mingle and strengthen and fortify his position. You'll never establish holiness as long as you put people in your pulpit that don't believe it from way down here. Come on, we might as well face that. I told you I'm going to preach you about the other side of revival that we don't like to talk about. Yeah, but they're popular. Yeah, they know how to do this. They seem good. Don't get me on the singing groups. You're not going to sing down at the public either. One night they're singing for the charismatic to the Trinitarian, and the next night you got them in your pulpit. They're calling the Baptists and the Assembly of God their brothers and sisters. And we're so glad they were all unified. And the next night you got them in your church because they're full of crowd. I'm not interested in the kind of crowd they pull. You can't make saints out of them. They're mixed multitudes. They don't love God. They're not looking for righteousness and holiness. They're only following after sensationalism. They're only following after emotionalism. They're not really interested in learning about the things of God. Amen. Go ahead and do it if you want to. But if you're drafting out the progress of your church, just back it up five years every time you have it. Then when you find out and discover that some of your Sunday school teachers don't believe in the since after the new birth experience, where'd they get that from? They picked it up. That's the spirit they picked up. When you find out that one of your leaders has brought in their video or their TV and you wonder where that comes from, they picked up a spirit. Hallelujah. We might as well make up our mind which side we're on. Either we believe this thing or we don't. Praise God. Either it's right or it's wrong. Either, either we're preaching the truth or we're not. Make up your mind which it is. And then cross your lot. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. I believe it's holiness or hell. I believe if you're not living in separation, my friend, God doesn't have any use for you. He's not bound to you. You don't belong to him. Hallelujah. What you do, you're doing on your own. It's not going to stand anyway. Let's give the Lord a hand clap for praise. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise God. There is a way, amen, to stay over walls. There is a way to get through the door, amen, but it's not going to be the might nor by power. It's not going to be program. It's not going to be playboy. Amen. It's not going to be a singing group. It's not going to be anything except what God started to sing out with in the beginning, and that's an apostolic ministry. Amen. We need to move with God in our churches. We need the fivefold ministry. It's essential to our survival. We need the gifts of the Spirit, all of them. Including discerning of spirits. Know them that labor among you. Paul said from his forth, I'm not going to know any man by the flesh, but by the Spirit. You better try the spirits and see whether they be of God or not. You feel funny about somebody, just wait to see you got to learn how to listen to the Holy Ghost. 
That's why we get in trouble because we don't listen to the Holy Ghost. There's many, amen, as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Amen. You got the Holy Ghost down inside of you. Amen. The Spirit of God will lead and guide you into all truth. Somebody say hallelujah. Then I got to get off of that. Grace. Have you ever had God make you a promise? Amen. When David was just a little boy, he was so naive and unschooled and so excitable, so innocent. And when he heard the words of the prophet, God's chosen you, you're a man after his own heart. You're going to rule over the kingdom of Israel. He probably was expecting it to happen, you know, just click, 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 click. Everything fall into place. He didn't know between him and the kingdom was a, a jealous man by the name of Saul. He didn't know he was going to spend years running for his life. He didn't know he was going to be a marked man. He was going to be a man that was going to be talked about, lied on, criticized, misunderstood. Amen. He didn't know that. Amen. When he was out there by himself, as far as he knew, it was just him and the Lord from now on. It's hard to keep your dream. Amen. When you're fighting with those kind of adversaries. When the odds are stacked against you, you see, sometimes the enemy seems to have everything in their corner. Amen. They got all the firepower. They got all, uh, all the uh, clout. They got everything they need going for you. Or going for them, rather, and against you. I'm going I'm to I'm briefly tell something that I, I seldom ever, ever mention. And the reason why is we've all heard so much junk that if anybody starts telling about something the Lord said or did or this, that, or something else, it's automatically marked. And we have backed off and backed off and backed off until we don't even talk about, amen, God being able to speak to anybody or doing anything in a supernatural way. But when I went to Tulsa to establish a church there, it was a very troubled situation. It was a mess, to put it mildly. And after being led by the Lord to go on an extended time of prayer and fasting, I was evangelizing, came off the field to give myself to this time of prayer and fasting that I was there the Lord to go on. It was confirmed to me by another man that knew nothing, put his finger right in my face and said, God's telling you. And he began to tell me what thus saith the Lord. I said, you're right. And I'm going to do it. I'd already determined I was. I just put the, I just clenched the nail on her. So I spent that time in prayer and fasting. And toward the end of that fast, I had a vision. Somebody said, well, if you go several days out eating, you're liable to see anything. One guy so laughed and told me one time, said, yeah, I had one too. I had visions of cornbread and fried potatoes and on and on. Well, that's not the kind of vision I'm talking about. But I can have one of them right here, right now. I think that's what you... But I saw myself standing in front of this, of this all I can describe it as, is a tunnel. It was like a, a storm, a, a big storm system, drainage system. There's a place when I was a kid. That we used to go into the storm drainage system. It was probably nine feet high and 10 or 12 foot wide and, and a creek went into it. It went all the way to the river about a mile and a half away. And we used to take uh, coffee cans, little flat one pound cans and nail them on the end of a broomstick and put a roll of toilet paper on it, in it and soak it with kerosene and light it and we had a torch and we went exploring. 
And uh, it was, this is what it looked like in this vision. So if you've ever seen something like that, where a big drainage ditch goes into a big conduit to, uh, to drain it off somewhere, then you, you understand what I'm, you picture what I'm talking about. And as I stood there looking at this, and that black hole loomed before me, there appeared at the mouth of that a man, a large man, a nice looking man, dressed in white. And he had a light in his hand. He did not say a word to me. He simply beckoned for me to come and follow him. And he turned and he started into that tunnel. And I fell in behind him. We went just a little ways and became engulfed in total blackness. And there was a trickle of water going down through the middle of this. And then along beside the stream of water, there was a path. And this man in white would shine the light on the path and show me where it was safe to walk. There were all kinds of obstructions. There were all kinds of trash and rocks and broken bottles. And then another thing that began to appear as we went on into there, there were many poisonous snakes. And they would be situated here and there. And he would shine the light and guide me and direct me around these things. So everything was going well for a period of time until we came to this one point where he shined the light. And there was the hugest, nastiest, slimiest, uh, cotton-mouthed water moccasin that you would ever imagine. It was a snake on the order of a large snake from South America or somewhere, like a big python or, or an anaconda or something. This thing was a huge pile piled up like this and big, huge coils. But it was obviously a, a very venomous snake, and that thing totally blocked our progress. It raised its ugly head up, and it was ready to strike. The man in white reached down and picked up a rock, and he, and he never said a word. He threw that rock and hit that thing uh, in the head, and when he did, it went limp. And he stepped over it and motioned for me to come with him. And as I stepped over it, that thing revived and began to strike at me. There was a superstructure in the top of that similar, uh, like, uh, rebar in the top of this. And, uh, and I leaped up in the air and I caught a hold of that. And I pulled myself up as far as I could. And this thing began to strike at me. And as I would get tired and begin to sag down, it would almost hit me on the legs. And I was kicking this way and that way. And I was hanging there suspended. And I wondered what I was going to do. And I cried out to God to save me. And that old man in white turned around and saw my dilemma. And the second time, he picked up a rock and he hit it in the head the second time. And this time it died. Now all these things had significance. They were fulfilled later. Then... As we continued on through this tunnel, there wasn't anything else of tremendous uh, significance except that we, it went on and on and on and on and on and on and on. Finally, we come to a place and it seemed like that this was just kind of had a little slight curve to it. And all of a sudden, this man that was guiding me stopped and he pointed. And I looked, and way off in the distance, as I kind of squinted in my eyes, I could see a little pinpoint of light. And the only words that were spoken to me were spoken then. And he said these words, there's light at the end of the tunnel. There's light at the end of the tunnel. And he disappeared, and I was left on my own to make my way to light. Little did I understand or realize that was the beginning of being ushered into the longest, darkest period of my life in ministry. It was one trial after another. 
I don't have time to even go into everything. I've had my life threatened. I've had guns shot through my apartment. I've been, people tailed me day and night. Wiretaps on my phone. All kinds of problems of opposition and adversaries because I was there in Tulsa. It wasn't from, I'm not trying to, uh, connect this with any of the brethren and say anything like that. Don't, I don't want anything to be misunderstood. But there were just certain situations that I was up against. And then beyond that, all kinds of spiritual opposition within, within the church and the people I was trying to pastor, all kinds of problems. You, you name it, we had the problems. Nothing came easy. Nothing. This went on and on and on and on and on. I'm here to tell you that it was 11 years went by. Two steps forward and three backwards. We finally bought some property after not having a place to worship of our own for seven years. Developed it. Fixed up a nice parsonage. Built a building. Two weeks. Announcement sent out two weeks before our dedication. I got word from a friend that was in city government. Come by and showed me some maps. There's a turnpike fixing to come through and it's taking you out. We were in that building only one year and we had to move back into a storefront building. And everybody else talks about, oh, that's great. Every time I mention that we, that that happens, oh, that's tremendous. I bet they really healed you financially. Yeah, they healed me financially. Four years later, jury trial. Amen. I spent at one time nine hours under oath in deposition. Nine straight hours in one day. We went through it. Prior to that, it's been about five years ago now, prior to that, I didn't have a gray hair in my head. Everybody thought I was still in my 20s. I was under so much pressure, my friend, that it aged me unbelievably. My brother and I look like nearly twins. And there's so much difference between his appearance and mine now that oftentimes I'm asked if he's my son instead of my brother. In our family, on my dad's side, the men tend to stay looking real young, clear on up. You know, my dad, he's 76. You'd think he was early 60s. The pressure, pressure, pressure. I'm saying this to help somebody today. I don't like to talk about this. I'm not trying to glorify myself. I'm just trying to tell you there's a great and effectual door open for you, but there'll be many adversaries. Nothing's going to come easy in the end time. You hear me? We're going to fight for everything we get. I believe that's what Brother Teller was saying. And so, we went through the lawsuits. We got other property. We built another building. Still owe money on it. Wish it was paid for, but you do what you got to do and do it the way you have to do it and keep moving on. God's always supplied the need. I know what it is, Brother Keller, to, to build and then they leave. Compared to just a few months, I had 120-some people leave. There were weeks. Whenever dime that come in, I had to put it back to pay the bills. It was nothing for my family and I. This is what you do, what you have to do. We didn't do without. We didn't start. We kept our own personal bills paid. But we weren't splurging. I can promise you that. Everybody looked, wow, look what you got. Look what you're doing. They don't know what's going on. Amen. 
Why? And I, I, I don't want to digress on this. I'm taking too much time. But, you know, I could talk about whiners and complainers and people that's always passing the hat and telling everybody what kind of shape they're in and wanting this and to help them and that and to help them and all that kind of stuff. Well, if you want to operate that way, that's fine. But I've always felt like I wasn't going to tell anybody and let God come through for me. It's easy to talk about trusting God, but when it comes down to it, it's a different matter. Hello? And so, we struggled along. Oh, by the way, after we went through this purging, God gave us 100 people filled with the Holy Ghost in three months' time. I, it wasn't some sensational evangelist that came in. It was in the regular services. We went for several months in a row where we never had one service that there wasn't usually several that received the Holy Ghost and got baptized. It doesn't take God long to do a work, is what I'm trying to tell you. That takes a long time to establish people. But bless your heart, we didn't have an empty building sitting there either for our enemies to scoff and mock about. Hallelujah. And you know, the devil loves to discredit the truth and discredit people trying to stand for truth and righteousness and godliness. But after we got in that building, one day my good friend, young man that as an evangelist I met and felt something for him and began to be his friend, adopted him, Brother Mark Morgan. He was pastoring now down at Oak Mulgee, 30 miles south of us. He'd been somewhere and he flew in from the airport. And as he got in his car and was driving back to where he lived, when he got to the exit there where our church is located off the freeway, he felt prompted, he said, to pull up in front of our church. We pulled up there, and we were just in the finishing stages of finishing the building that we're in now. And no one was there. I'd always gone to lunch or something. And he said he sat there for a little bit, and the Lord spoke to him and said to tell me that there's light at the end of the tunnel. When he got home, he called me. He said, Brother Howard, he said, this doesn't make sense to me, and I, you know... I feel funny telling you this, and, and it may not mean anything, and on and on and on. And for a while, I was just kind of casually listening. But when he said that, uh, he got to that part that the Lord said for him to tell me that there's light at the end of the tunnel, my ears perked up. I said, what was that again? Tell me that again. Go through the whole part again real slow. Make sure I got all this down. I'm ready to listen now. Amen. I got the tape recorder of my mind turned on. Amen. What was that again? And he went back through it and he come to that part. He said, I know this, this, this sounds silly. It don't make any sense to me at all. I said, well, you just go ahead and tell me. It makes all the sense in the world to me. He said, the Lord said to tell you there's light at the end of the tunnel. I never told anybody that. That was in my heart. I held it to myself. This was my confirmation. Amen. And, and as I look back over those ten years or so, I see all the different things that I had to go through. And it was all a long, long, dark tunnel. Amen. But I want you to know that from that day until this, it's been different. We still have to fight. We still have our struggles. But what I want you to understand is that God opened a door for us and no man could shut it. Amen. And because... Here's the secret to it. Amen. God's there to guide you around some things. 
God's there to help you do some things. God's there to help fight some battles and defeat some enemies that you can't defeat yourself. But you gotta keep looking up. You gotta, you gotta keep calling on His name. He's the only one that can sustain you. He's the only one that can bring you through to victory. But He will. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm telling you, the key of David is simply this. Please be seated. And that is when God tells you that he's going to do something, when God makes you a promise, amen, you just sit and fix it in your heart and mind. I'm not running. I'm not dodging. I'm not backing up. I'm here to stay. I'm going to do what God sent me to do. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I don't care how high it is. I don't care how strongly fortified it is. I don't care how impossible it is. Amen. There's a gutter somewhere I can get up. Amen. They didn't close all the doors because God said that I could have it. There's a door open somewhere, but I'm going to keep punching till I find it. Amen. There's a weakness somewhere in the devil's ranks, and I'm going to keep punching till I open it up. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Give me about five minutes and I'll wrap it up. Amen. Second Kings, the seventh chapter. You can read the story of the great siege by the Syrians against the city of Samaria. Things were so bleak and dark that even certain women had uh, boiled their babies, made an agreement with one another, we'll cook mine today and eat it and cook yours tomorrow and eat it. And the king was, uh, was confronted by these women to settle the dispute. It was so bleak. But the prophet of God, Elisha, walked up and told the king, he said, tomorrow about this time, there's going to be plenty of food. Tomorrow about this time, it may look hopeless right now, but tomorrow about this time, you can get a bushel of wheat for a penny. You can get three bushels of barley for a penny. Amen. If food's going to be so cheap, they'll give it away. Amen. And the king, while he was hearing these words, there was a Lord, amen, that was his right-hand man that he leaned upon. And oh, Lord, spoke up and said, could these things be if God opened the windows of heaven? I'm going to tell you the devil something this morning. And then God does have some windows in heaven. Malachi 3, he said, try me therewith, saith the Lord, and see if I'll not open Amen. If I'll not give you a blessing, open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing you can't even contain. So there are some windows in heaven. When every other door is shut, and everybody else has cut you off, all God's got to do is tell an angel, go there and open that door and pour them out a blessing they can't even contain. Help will come from unexpected places. Help will come to you from unbelievable sources. My God, right in the middle of our financial crunch, a man pulled up on the driveway. Amen. And, and I went over to see what he wanted. And he said, the tears running down his face. I'm a backslider. I'm from way down south. You don't know me. But said, I've been in financial bind. And I deal with selling uh, uh, 18 winter trucks and equipment and so forth. And he said, my business is about to uh, go under. And he said, a few days ago, I cried out to God. And I said, God, if, if you will, if you will bless me, if you will help me uh, to make a sale and spare my business, I'll pay tithes. 
And he said, oh, the Lord helped me make a sale that saved my business. And he handed me a check. And after he left, I looked at it for 900 and some dollars. It wasn't a drop in the bucket to what I needed, but it was a cloud about the size of a man's head. I begin to rejoice and thank God. Amen. When everybody else cuts you off, amen, they can't cut you off from God. They close every door they can, but they can't close doors that God opens. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I don't know who it is. And they never come when I've been around. It may be the same guy, maybe somebody else. But on a regular basis, while usually while church is going on, some man pulls up on the driveway and comes to the front door and hands an usher his tithes and drives off in a fine car. I still don't know who it is that's been going on for several years. Hallelujah. It might be an angel for all I know. Amen. You know what it is? It's a reminder to me that God is our source. God is our provider. God is able to make a way where there seems to be no way. Amen. God will always come through for you. Amen. But He won't come through for you if you won't come through for Him. Amen. If, you can't, if He can't count on you, you can't count on Him. Amen. God's not going to make a covenant with somebody that won't commit to Him. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Please be seated. Let me throw one more little something in here. They said I had plenty of time, so I guess I'm taking it. Study the life of Abraham and the covenants that God made with him. Each time God challenged him to a new consecration, a new commitment, challenged him to extend himself, to sacrifice, to give. When Abraham did that, immediately following that moment, God would expand the covenant that he made to him. And here's what I get out of that. God commits to us on the basis of how much we commit to him. And you're going to get there in stages. You're going to face time after time, like what I'm talking about. It comes in all different shapes, forms, sizes, and colors. There's going to be those moments of truth when you're being tested and you don't even know you're being tested. Amen. You see, God is not only just, but he's, he's not only the justifier, but he's just. He has to be able to justify everything that he does. When Satan stood before him and said, what about Job? He don't serve you for not. Sure he'll serve you. Look how you've blessed him. You put a, a hedge around him. I can't get through to him. Take that down and he'll curse you. Amen. God had to take the head down and allow the devil to have a shot at Job to vindicate his righteousness, to prove that he was just as well as a justifier. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Amen. And the things that God wants to give to you, there, there, there's some qualifying you have to do. There's some things you're going to have to go through. He does not pour out his best blessings on just anything or anybody. When he made an everlasting covenant with Abraham, he said, I know, Abraham, that he will teach his children and his children's children. I know I've got somebody here I can count on. Does God know he can count on you? Or have you been wishy-washy on the Lord? Hot one day and cold the next day. Up one day and down the next day. Holiness one week. Amen. Compromising the next week. 
You're not going to get anywhere with God, amen, until you're consistent with God. And you're going to come to those moments in your life, in your ministry, my friend, when it's just you and God and it seems like the whole world and every devil in hell thrown into boot is against you. And you're going to have to stand flat-footed, unmovable. You're going to have your Gethsemane. And you're going to have your Armageddon, too. Amen. You're going to go through some things to get through the door. The devil can't stop you from going through it. It's a great door. It's an effectual door. But there'll be many adversaries. And the next day, according to the word of the prophet, four lepers came, help from unexpected sources. Who would have ever thought that four lepers would have been Israel's deliverance or, or Samaria's deliverance? But it was. Amen. And so, when it was checked out, the king said, all right, we're going to do this in an orderly fashion. Come here, Lord unbelief. I'm putting you in charge of this operation. We're all going to go out this door right here. And you're in charge of keeping this door. And so I can see him as he gathers everybody together. And he says, now we're going to go in an orderly fashion. I'm going to call letters A and B of the alphabet. And you come and line up. We're going to let you go two by two. And you're going to be gone 30 minutes. And, and then we're going to let C and B go. Whatever uh, arrangement he was making. And he planted himself right there in front of the door. Remember, he's a dude that said yesterday, how could this be if God opened the windows of heaven? Now here he is. Amen. These folks have been starving to death. These folks are so hungry. Amen. They can't, they can't even think straight. And here this dude is planted right in front of the open door and saying, I'm just going to let you through one at a time. And that's the way the devil likes to do things. If he can't stop you altogether, he wants to kind of squeeze it down to a trickle. But what I like is... Amen. When they said it's time to go and throw that door open, here they come. Amen. When they caught up, oh Lord, unbelief, they never even slowed down. I tell you, some of you have been letting some man intimidate you. Just labeling what he is, that's Lord unbelief. That's trying to control, amen, the door. Amen. God opened the door, but he set himself up to control who can go in or go out. How much you get and how much you can't get. You listening to me? Amen. You personalize it to your own situation. Amen. You put your own face on it. Amen. But there's a Lord of unbelief. Amen. That's trying to control the people of God. That's trying to keep us from the open door. That God, it may be a spirit. Amen. It may be a person. It may be a situation that you're facing. I don't know. I just felt like preaching this. I believe it's for somebody. Amen. I'll tell you what those people did. They said, hey, we've waited this long. We're not waiting any longer. The door's open. We're going through it. Amen. The Bible says they trampled the man underfoot and he died in the gate. Hallelujah. Amen. That, that thing that's wearing its head up and taunting you, amen, and troubling you and telling you you can't go through the door is nothing but a bluff. Amen. It's nothing but a spirit of hell. Amen. Behind it. And greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Amen. Don't run up to it. Run over it. You've got to get the spirit of David on you. I can run through a troop and leap over the walls. I don't care what you put between me and the door that got open. 
I'll do whatever I gotta do. I'll run through the troops. I'll leap over the wall. But I ain't stopping. Amen. There's no devil gonna keep me from going through the door that God's opened for me. Oh, hallelujah. You don't even know what I'm fighting right now the whole time that I've been preaching. Devil saying, just where you get home. Just where you get home. You think you've had adversaries up to now. Just where you get home. Bless your heart, devil, stack them up. I'll run through a troop and leap over a wall. Amen. I got my mind made up. I'm in this thing for keeps. I'm not going to be intimidated. I'm not going to back up. God's brought me this far. Why should I try different right now? Why should I back up now? Holiness and separation and the fivefold ministry and the gifts of the Spirit and consecration and fasting and prayer and God to where we are. Why give it up now? Amen. But we got some weapons of warfare that have been affecting. Why lay them down now? Praise God. Come on, let's praise him. Let's praise him. Come on, let's go a little bit further. God's fixing to break through and do something for somebody here. My God. My God. Somebody's fixing to break out. Somebody's fixing to go through a door. Somebody's fixing to stand up and flex their muscles. Shake off the spirit of lethargy. Fall off that spirit that Brother Keller talked about. Amen. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Quit sitting there waiting for it to happen. Go after it. Go after it. Go for it. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. If you had a bunch of people leave you, launch a whole new attack of personal evangelism. Go back up. I felt some opposition when I said that. I'm going to say it again. If you've had some folks leave you because of the truth, they may just back your ears up and go full, full, wide open into evangelism, teaching Bible studies, knocking doors, running buses, doing something, bless your heart, but don't sit there, amen, fortified in a little cage somewhere. Amen. Go out there and meet the devil eyeball to eyeball. You come against me with sword and spear, but I come against you in the name of the Lord. That's my door. That's my promise. Devil, I'm tired of you standing there intimidating me. I'm coming out. I'm tired of hiding in holes in the rocks. I'm tired of dodging shadows. I'm tired of hiding behind trees. Bless your heart. God is for you. Who can be against you? Amen. There's no weapon for against you that can prosper. It's time for the church to realize the power that's in the church. 
My God, my God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's praise Him. Come on, let's praise Him. I can't turn it loose. Somebody's got to break out right now. Somebody's got to say it's me. If it's you, sit down that aisle right now. If God's talked to you and quickened your spirit and start your faith today, amen, and there's a door that God's open for you, but many adversaries are standing between you and that open door. Step out in the aisle right now. Come on. Step out there. Step out there. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Come on, step out in the aisle. I want you to double your fist up right now and say, devil, get out of my way or get run over. I'm coming through. I'm coming through. You're not stopping me now. Amen. I've come this far by the help of God and I can see light at the end of the tunnel. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I can see the beginning of my promises being fulfilled and you're not stopping me now. Oh, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, shake your fist with that devil of finance. Shake your fist at that devil of worldliness. Shake your fist at that spirit of Laodicea. Shake your fist at that controlling spirit that wants to control the church in the pulpit. Hallelujah. Come on, serve notice on the devil. Amen. I'm coming through. Amen. You stood in my path long enough. I'm going to go through the door that God's open. He don't have to back up for nothing. He don't have to back up from anybody. We don't have to make apologies. We don't have to hang our head. We're still preaching the Acts 238 message. We're still standing for the thing. Amen. That brought this truth. Amen. To this part of the world. We're preaching the same thing our forefathers preached. We haven't moved. We're not the ultra right. We're where we started out. Through the altar left. This ain't the middle of the road. This is the road. It's the highway of holiness. Nothing unclean shall walk therein. Oh, here they are. Praise him one more time. 